Welcome to PQ Doc on Call, a podcast dedicated to current and aspiring intensivists. My name is Pradeep Kumar. And my name is Rahul Demania, a current third-year pediatric critical care fellow. We come to you from Emory University School of Medicine, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Today's episode is very special as we are going to be discussing seven habits of highly effective PICU fellows. As many trainees, both residents and fellows, are settling into the year, we wanted to make a special podcast which highlights some key high-value habits which can make the pediatric critical care experience very fruitful longitudinally. We are delighted to be joined by Dr. Kevin Kuo and Dr. Paige Stevens. Dr. Kevin Kuo is a clinical associate professor, pediatric critical care, as well as the program director of pediatric critical care fellowship at Stanford University. Notably, Dr. Kuo is also the site creator and editor of the informational and well-known PQ website, learnpq.com, which has accumulated over 10,000 views a month. Dr. Paige Stevens is a Peds Critical Care Fellow at Stanford University and is here to provide the trainee perspective. Dr. Kuo and Dr. Stevens, we are delighted to have you. Welcome to PQ Doc on Call podcast. Thank you, Pradeep and Rahul, for having us on PQ Doc on Call. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, we don't have any relevant financial disclosures or conflicts of interest. Our episode will be a series of actionable steps which can optimize your passion and performance in the PQ. This episode was inspired by the very famous book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, which is an international bestseller. To start with our episode, Dr. Quo, do you mind highlighting the seven habits which we will cover in today's episode? Sure, I'd be happy to. From Dr. Covey's book, we wanted to start with begin with the end in mind as the first habit. Secondly, embrace a growth mindset. Third, eat a piece of humble pie daily. Fourth, Remember your ABCs. Fifth, put on your own oxygen mask first. Sixth, be aware of the meta. And then lastly, but not least, sing in the rain. Awesome. I can't wait to get into each of this. Dr. Kuo, can you start us off with the first habit? Begin with the end in mind. Sure, I'd be happy to. So this comes from Stephen Covey's book and really trying to envision uh, what you want to be at the end of your training. The three years go by very quickly. And what do you want your career to look like? What skills do you want to have gained? What do you want to have accomplished by the end of those three years? Really helps you inform how you're going to go about your training and the things that you're going to focus on. You may also think about where you want to work when you finish, uh, whether that be in an academic setting or more of a community setting as well. I would also encourage trainees to be honest with yourself in what your interests are and your career goals are. Not everyone needs to be an R01-funded basic scientist, although obviously that is a wonderful career path and we certainly need basic scientists. But we really want people to be in a place where they're following their passions and really leading the field of pediatric critical care and whatever they do best. This is also really great advice if you're interviewing for fellowship or thinking about fellowship. If you have a clear idea of where you want to be at the end of your training, it'll be a lot easier for you to find a program that's going to help you to get there. If you don't know, you might want to choose a program where fellows go on to successfully do a broad range of things well. Excellent approach and mindset, especially as we kick off this episode and for residents applying to the PICU and matching in just a few short months. Dr. Stevens, thank you so much for being here. Let's go ahead and transition and talk about our second habit 
the growth mindset. Do you mind telling us what that is all about? Of course. So in my mind, embracing a growth mindset is all about being active in the continual process of self-reflection and evaluating your strengths and areas for growth. This is where we utilize our ILPs and our conversations with our mentors to really focus on how we can grow and develop. And the other aspect of this is being active in the continual process of seeking out feedback from others. You may not be able to see the full perspective yourself. So it's really important to think about how you can use others to help you see a full perspective and to learn how you can improve from everyone around you. When you find areas for improvement, the last part of this is really engaging in self-reflection. When you receive feedback from others, embracing a growth mindset and having a desire to incorporate that feedback and enact change. That's a wonderful summary. This habit really reminds me of a great book known as Mindset, The New Psychology of Success by Carol Dweck, a PhD psychologist who has transformed the way we think about personal development, resilience, and optimism. I'd recommend it's a trainee must read. Dr. Ko, as you grow your experience as an attending, what does the third habit, eat a piece of humble pie, really mean to you? Yeah, thanks, Pradeep. I think eating a piece of humble pie really means that to approach every day with humility. In the ICU, we're constantly being asked to be essentially a jack of all trades and perhaps at times a master of none ranging from being a pulmonologist to a cardiologist to a nephrologist, transplant specialist, a proceduralist. One thing that our division chief, uh, Tim Cornell, always says is, the minute you think you know it all is the day you should retire. And I think that's really true in the sense that you really can't know it all in this world of pediatric critical care. And being able to recognize when you don't know something and admitting it you know, to your team around you and asking for help is one of the most important things you can do as an attending, but early on in your training as well. In addition, as you go through your medical training and act as an attending, you realize even the things you think you know very well right now might actually change during your years in practice. So for example, things like looking for a UTI in a patient with RSV or always using isotonic fluid in a DKA patient those practices may come into question over your time in critical care. Lastly, you really want to approach each day with an eagerness to learn from those around you. This includes your patients, your colleagues, your trainees, the nurses, the respiratory therapists that you're working with, child life specialists, chaplains, really everyone in the whole PICU team. And this last part really ties into COVID's seek first to understand, uh, then be understood habit. Thank you so much for highlighting this invaluable characteristic. Pradeep and I always say that ICU is a team sport, and we should really focus on this habit, which really highlights humility and ego sublimation, both characteristics paramount to a success of a trainee as well as a developing attending. Let's transition to some productivity and self-compassion techniques. Our next two habits are remember the ABCs and put your own oxygen mask on. Dr. Kuo, can you go into the prioritization of airway breathing circulation in a bit more detail, please? Sure, I'd be happy to. I think every PICU fellow early on in their training or perhaps uh, during residency learns that when you come to an emergency situation, you're thinking about the ABCs and uh, making sure you prioritize you know, from airway breathing to circulation. I think that extends to the overall work you're doing as a critical care fellow and as an attending as well. 
in thinking about what your priorities are. Um, just like in that resuscitation where you have to prioritize ABCs above all else, learning the art of prioritization is a skill that will go a long way in all aspects of your clinical skills and career. Stephen Covey introduces this concept of four quadrants where you have urgent and non-urgent tasks on one axis, and then you have important and not important tasks on the other axis, and it creates four squares, basically. And so trying to figure out what are those things that are urgent and important, which you'll want to do quickly, that would fall in kind of the line of the ABCs, versus things that may be not urgent nor important, and which may be things that you don't need to spend time on. It gets a little bit trickier when a task is important but not urgent, that perhaps could be something that you could plan to do later on, or if a task is urgent but not important, which you may choose to delegate that work to. Speaking of prioritization, I think it's really important to think of this concept of first put your own oxygen mask on. In critical care, um, in order to care best for others, we really need to learn how to take care of ourselves. And so that's where this habit comes into play. Get in the habit of practicing self-compassion. We see and experience all sorts of challenging things in critical care. And at the end of the day, we can only do our very best. We can try to continually learn and the rest just really isn't in our hands. Another aspect of this includes building up all aspects of your life, both inside and outside of medicine. This includes building up relationships, thinking about your personal finances, staying healthy, getting enough sleep, exercise and nutrition prioritizing your mental health, and also prioritizing spiritual health, that that's something that's important to you. Another aspect of thinking about how to put your own oxygen mask on is surrounding yourself by others who can really help to put that oxygen mask on you in case of emergencies. These can be people like your friends, your family, and your spiritual community. We're not operating in silo, and it's really important to surround ourselves with people that can help us out when things get tough. I'm so glad you were both able to highlight these personal productivity and personal wellness habits. Let's just do a quick recap of our episode thus far. We started with beginning with the end in mind. We transitioned to a growth mindset, then talked about the humble pie. And finally, we've been talking about remembering the ABCs and putting on your own auction mask first. Let's round this episode off with our last two habits. Dr. Quo, what does it mean to be aware of the meta? Well, I think being aware of the meta is maybe a little bit of a more novel concept. Uh, I think coming into fellowship, many fellows are worried about what induction meds you're going to use for that intubation, how you're going to be able to run that code, making sure you're going to be able to put in that line, understanding when to start something like CRT or to cannulate for ACMO. And that is completely understandable and really important to learn. That being said, you'll almost certainly learn that during fellowship. The meta is all the stuff that might not be strictly medical nor made explicit and includes things like the interpersonal interactions that are going on. For example, are you picking up on the cue that the nurse, the parent, the RT uh, at rounds is worried about something? Uh, The team dynamics that are going on, being able to facilitate autonomy for each level of learner on your team, understanding how to run helpful yet efficient rounds, Uh, Even things like learning when to speak in a meeting and how to speak in a meeting are really important meta skills that we may not be explicitly taught at times, but become very important during the course of our careers. Long after you've learned most of the explicitly medical things, the meta can often be some of the more challenging and humbling parts of what we do as well. 
And so to get the most out of your training, I would recommend really taking a step back and looking at that bigger picture of what the meta is going on around you. Push yourself to see things from others' perspectives and to see yourself from others' perspectives as well. Take time to recognize the meta of what we do too. If you take a step back, the fact that we're privileged to be able to take care of patients and families in some of the most challenging times of their lives is just an incredible honor. And so take a moment to recognize the wow factor of that privilege as well. Dr. Kuo, this is such a great point, highlighting humanism in medicine, especially during this pandemic, we have realized that it's not just about the science, but it's also about taking care of not only the child, but also the family. This has been an awe-inspiring podcast. Dr. Stevens, can you please go into our last habit? Yes, I'd be happy to. And this is one of my favorites. Our last habit is sing in the rain. So what this means is even though there will be challenges, remember to have fun. For me, these are some of the absolute best years of medical training. Yes, the hours may be long, um, but we're finally able to do what we've been waiting to do. We're immersed in an environment where we're constantly learning and growing. There are constantly new challenges. And even though things can be very nerve wracking, we're very lucky that we still have the backup of our attendings to learn from. We also have great colleagues who undoubtedly we will remember for the rest of our lives and will continue to be colleagues for the rest of our careers and even friends. The last thing is that people who have fun are fun to be around. In my opinion, you'll be a much better team leader, teacher, doctor, consultant if you find ways to make things fun for those around you. Guys, this was an awesome discussion. Let's do a brief summary of each of today's habits. We started with begin with the end in mind as the first habit. Second, we looked at embrace a growth mindset. Thirdly, eat a piece of humble pie daily. Fourth, remember the ABCs. Fifth, put on your own oxygen mask first. Sixth, be aware of the meta. And seventh, sing in the rain. Dr. Quo, before we conclude today's podcast, I wanted to get your thoughts on how you recommend pick you fellows or young attendings should study and consume information throughout their medical training? Well, thanks, Rahul. One thing that I try to teach my fellows and in line with kind of that prioritization is that you really can't learn it all at the same time. And so to be able to prioritize what people are learning as they go through their training. Hence, for first-year fellows, I really recommend that they try to understand the clinical management of patients needing critical care. That will include when I see XYZ disease process, I should respond in XYZ manner for management. Then moving into your second year and really throughout your training, but really focusing on this more, I think trying to understand the pathophysiology that's underlying some of the treatments that you're utilizing in the ICU so that when a patient isn't quite following that trajectory that you had anticipated, that you've kind of internalized during your first year, you have some tools in your toolkit to be able to troubleshoot that a little bit. Uh, one example I sometimes give is if you have an asthmatic who is needing further therapy, understanding that you know their heart rate may be 200, and so further beta agonists may not be helpful at that point. And so you may want to use an alternative drug, magnesium or aminophilin, et cetera, that uses a different mechanism to treat the underlying pathophysiology. Finally, for third year and senior fellows, 
I typically recommend trying to understand the literature that is the foundation for the care that we're providing for our patients, including the seminal literature, as well as figuring out a way to stay on top of uh, cutting-edge literature that's coming out. This could include things like following many leaders in pediatric critical care on Twitter, podcasts like this one, websites that help collate uh, new articles as well. But really trying to figure out a way that that becomes a lifelong process, I think, is really helpful as well. So it's a little bit of a sandwich of clinical management with underlying pathophysiology and then trying to stay on top of the literature as well. Dr. Stevens, what are your tips for new fellows uh, joining busy ICUs all over the country? Well, having just completed my first year, I think I can speak a little bit to this. I think that one of the most important things is, like Dr. Quo was saying, I think we all come in and we want to be very high achieving from the start. But you really have to start with the basics. So it's going back to the drawing board and, and relearning what the basics of this new career path will look like. You're learning new physiology. You're seeing new presentations of illnesses and really trying to capture illness scripts. Like Dr. Quo was mentioning, you're trying to understand what the normal trajectory of a patient with a certain illness is going to follow. And then as a second year, like Dr. Quo was saying, now I'm in the process of really trying to fine tune my skills and understand what to do when somebody doesn't follow that illness script. But it all sets in the, in the foundation of that first year of really just seeing what is normal, what are the normal trajectories for the illnesses that I'm seeing for the patients that I'm caring for. And I think the other thing is in our first year, we're also encouraged to really hit the ground running with a research project. And that's often something that's very new for fellows. In residency, you often don't have a lot of time dedicated to working on that. And in fellowship, for the first time, you are given more time to work on that. And so one of the things that I learned uh, through my experience in setting up a new research project was really trying to take a step back and understand what I ultimately want to accomplish with my career and learning how to engage with various different people who are going to help me ultimately accomplish that down the road. I came in wanting to basically tackle mountains. And what you realize is you have to kind of start at, at smaller steps and, and, and take things in smaller bite-sized pieces in order to eventually, in your career, tackle that mountain that you ultimately want to overcome. And I think that that was really valuable advice that I got from a lot of my mentors, kind of taking things in smaller bite-sized pieces and not trying to tackle everything all at once. This was an excellent discussion today. As one of my mentors classically says, first year of fellowship is all about the how. Second year of fellowship is all about the why. And third year of fellowship, as you're developing your own style, you're really going to your faculty mentors and asking the why not. And as we are on the path of lifelong learning, I really hope that this episode allows for us to take a step back, reflect on pediatric critical care, and especially lead by example, especially during these challenging times due to the COVID-19 pandemic, when it seems like there is no sight and end, we really want to convey to fellows as well as all listeners to stay resilient. And hopefully these seven habits helped you garner some new insights and added value to your day-to-day -day life. This concludes our podcast episode on seven habits of highly effective PICU fellows. We hope you found value in this short podcast. We welcome you to share feedback and place a review on our podcast. PICU Doc on Call is hosted 
by me, Pradeep Kamath, and my co-host, Dr. Rahul Timania. Stay tuned for our next episode. Thank you. Thank you.